0: Media did kind of a pre-draft analysis for his team, other teams, what the draft looks like. Little 500, one day at a way, will tell you who the favorite is and why. For one fraternity, it is not going to be a very pleasant Little 500 weekend. This is Inside Indiana Sports now with Kent Sterling. It's Friday, April 22nd, 2022. It's an absolutely gorgeous day in Central Indiana. On our way to a beautiful Little 500 Saturday, I cannot wait to watch it on TV. We don't go to Little 500 anymore. It's a young man's game, a young woman's game. We don't do it. But what we do do, if we have plumbing issues, we call Johnson's Plumbing. Because if you've got a plumbing problem, they got a plumbing solution. And they execute it absolutely perfectly. is the number. Hit the subscribe button. Push the like button. Ring the bell. Let's go if you got a question. Donate. I see the question in a special prompt. Helps me delineate between the normal comments and those where you want some immediate response. Let's talk about sports. I told you this morning exactly what Chris Ballard was going to say. And, of course, it's what he said. Chris Ballard, number one is a pretty honest guy. He's going to tell you what he can tell you. And that doesn't change from year to year to year. Back five years ago when he took the job, he said, we're going to build this thing from the inside out. He wasn't kidding. The draft is where this team is going to, like, find its foundational pieces, not in free agency. That hasn't changed. Nothing's changed. I That may mean that nothing's been learned right but nothing has changed by the way the natural sound the bubbling back here obviously that's on the up and up there are birds out and whatnot and we do not pipe in false sound like they do at Augusta National we don't do that all right here's what Chris Ballard had to say first of all he did not profess his love for TY Hilton he said you know how I feel about TY I think he can still play that means that he is still willing to entertain whether T.Y. should come or not, and he said that it's not based upon who they draft or whether they get a wide receiver or two wide receivers. That's not where this thing is. It's going to have to be between he and T.Y. Hilton. They're going to have to figure it out or not figure it out. I think T.Y.'s done. Concussion, neck issues, relentless injury problems the last two years, Can he put together 17 healthy games in a row? I don't think so. Plus, you look at last year. The first game that he played, four catches, 80 yards against the Texans, and it kind of looked like old T.Y. And then the bloom was off the rose. From that point forward for the rest of the season, his best game, most productive game, four catches, 51 yards. And I don't think it all had to do with Carson Wentz. I just don't. Uh, He says... Wide receivers, you got to go get your own. Otherwise, you overpay. You want to get Adams. You know, you want to get Samuel. You you want to get uh, a guy like Tyreek Hill. It's going to cost you upwards of twenty-five million dollars uh, a season. And he says this: a good defensive coordinator and a good secondary, they're going to be able to figure out how to take that number one wide receiver away. So why would you spend $25 million a year on a guy who can be taken away by a good secondary and a good D.C., which is exactly what you're going to face in the postseason? Sure, a great wide receiver is going to raise all kinds of hell in the regulars, right, in those 17 regular season games. But you get to the playoffs, it's a different world, and it's a different world for college-wide receivers, and that's why they are really, really tough to scout. Because college-wide receivers, they get very vanilla coverage. You know, you, you don't get a whole lot of nuance within the defensive schematics. And the secondary, obviously, the guys in the secondary, and, and even in a big conference like the SEC or a big conference like the Big Ten, you know what you got. You've got inferior or unpolished secondary guys. And so it's really, really hard to look at the college guys and see who projects to be really, really good in the pros unless you see a guy who just checks all the boxes. And there aren't so many of those. Speaking of that, what Chris Ballard said about this draft, the blue-chip guys, about five to six in this draft. He said this off the top of my head. Don't hold me to it, but I got five or six off the top of my head that I think are blue-chip guys. He went on to describe most drafts says the blue-chip guys in most drafts occupy the top 8 to 12 spots on a draft board. Then there's a bit of a cliff. And then you've got really about 12 to 40. And the difference between 20 and 40 is usually not significant. So you can go out and get a guy at 40 of a similar quality to a guy that you can go out and get at 20. And when he was pressed on this, he doubled down. The Colts they choose 42nd a week from tonight in the second round and then they got 73rd later that night at 42. I mean he said like 12 to 40. He didn't say 12 to 42. So are they going to trade up? He, obviously he wouldn't commit to either trading up or trading down. But if you wind up outside that second cliff, you may as well trade back and get more trade a, or get more draft assets. He kind of looked as though that is the direction he's leading, leaning but that's really reading the tea leaves. That's what that is. And by the way, let me go back to T.Y. Hilton for a second. I love T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton's a great dude, a great Colt. There is nothing I would rather see more than T.Y. Hilton ball out one more year for 17 games and into a postseason and look like he did in 2014. That would be flat-out wonderful. What a great story that would be. It does not happen very often in the NFL that a guy, especially at receiver, starts that decline, and all of a sudden, back he comes. It doesn't happen very often. You need all of your tools sharpened to the highest level. you got to be 100% of really damn good in order to be kind of – productive at an elite level in the NFL. He said, uh, Naheem Hines is going to be more involved this year, offensively. He was talking about the weaponry for the Colts, and he said, you know, Pittman had a good year, but it's usually the third year of a receiver's career where he really gets his sea legs and really shows you who he is, plays to his potential. Last year was good, this year likely to be better. Naheem Hines is a guy who is going to take a, a level up. He's going to take a step up in class because he's going to be utilized more. He said that seriously. You know, like, I'm telling you something. Um, he said that Moali Cox has never gone to the line of scrimmage and been featured. He's never been the guy. It's always been somebody else. And this year, he is going to be the guy more than he has been in the past. And Chris Ballard is really interesting, interested in seeing what that looks like. For those of you who think Mo Ali Cox is drop city, right? I think he had a catch percentage of like 53% this year. High drop rate, especially for a tight end. The year before with Phillip Rivers, he caught about 78% of the balls thrown to him. He was very productive year before last with Phillip Rivers. I would assume... Because of who Matt Ryan is and how he has made, how much money has this guy made tight ends in the past, gobs and gobs and gobs of money. I think he's going to work really well with Mo Ali Cox. I think Mo Ali Cox is going to have a really good year. Tight end, that is a place where uh, Chris Ballard he says that's really tough to scout and it's really hard to get a guy who can do it all. You got your F tight ends, you got your Y tight ends. The F tight ends are kind of flankers, those guys. The Y tight ends stay in and block. Jack Doyle could do both a little bit. You don't have guys in this draft who can necessarily do both. And the guys who can block, those Y guys, those are the more difficult to find. Jeremy Ruckert is one of those guys, and it sounded the way that Chris Ballard was talking about this, that Jeremy Ruckert, or a guy with his skill set, is going to be somebody that the Colts pursue. They want a replacement for Jack Doyle. They are not looking for another Travis Kelsey. They're not looking for George Kills. They are, you know, not looking for Kyle Pitts. They're looking for a guy who can lay the wood in the run game and go catch a ball now and again. They are looking for Jack Doyle. So there you go. Um, You really need to have a strong conviction to move up. They moved up for Jonathan Taylor. This is what Chris Ballard said. He needs to be convinced that the guy they're moving up to get, because if you move up to get somebody, you're going to give up a pick down the road, right? If you're moving up, you have to be absolutely, utterly convinced that the guy you're getting is worth that investment. I don't see him trying Are they going to trade it? You never know. Uh, Situations present themselves. This is truly a general manager and a team that allows the draft to come to them. They make the decisions spontaneously. They prepare really, really well, but they make their decisions spontaneously. Interesting stuff today from Chris Ballard. ESPN ranked the Colts in the last decade as the 14th best team in the draft based upon career approximate value over expected. And you can kind of see in the way they rank these guys and the way the Colts have... They're their uh, least successful and their most successful, you can see the difference in the quality of the draft as though you needed this to be illustrated between Ryan Grigson and Chris Ballard. Now, I'm going to do something that's unfair to, uh, to Ryan Grigson. I'm not going to count 2012, all right? But 13 through 16, the draft wins for Grigson, Kerwin Williams, a seventh-rounder. Dante Moncrief, a uh, third-rounder, although his that draft was so pathetic. Him being the, the glistening gem of that draft tells you something. Denzel Good, seventh-rounder in 15. Austin Blythe, a seventh-rounder in 16, although Austin Blythe did his work elsewhere, primarily with the Rams. His worst picks, like you need me to tell you. Werner, Werner, Moncrief, or uh, Muhort, DeJean, Smith, and T.J. Green. A first, second, third, and second round pick. For Ballard, his best picks, Walker, Leonard, Kari Willis, JT, Jonathan Taylor, and Quitty Ped. The worst, Quincy Wilson, Kamoko Ture, Ben Banagoo, Windsor, and Odangbo, although Odangbo is a guy who didn't play early on in the season because of that surgically repaired Achilles. You're going to see more out of him this year, that also, according to Chris Ballard. So it's kind of the difference between these two, between Ballard and Grigson. The last four drafts for Grigson were god-awful. His only wins were in the seventh round. The wins for Ballard have really been in the second round. With, uh, with Leonard and Jonathan Taylor. First round with Pay, although not very productive. That wasn't a good draft so far. Quiddy Pay may take a step up in class. Daya Odengbo may take a step up in class. All right, let's talk about the little 500 for a minute because it's the world's greatest college weekend, although they call it something different now. But we know what that means. Bill Army Armstrong knew what that meant back in the day. Bill Army Armstrong, I don't know what he had a glass full of, as he told the riders to get on their Huffy Roadmaster bicycles or whatever the hell they were. But I don't think it was cranberry juice, or at least it was cranberry juice a little bit diluted. Uh, The favorites for the little 500 tomorrow, 2 o'clock, by the way, at Bill Army Armstrong Stadium, the Phi Sighs. I hope the Phi Sighs win. My nephew's a Phi Sai, it would be wonderful. Uh, Pi Kappa Alpha is not going to have a very good weekend. They were placed on a cease and desist order they cannot host, attend, or participate in social events pending some sort of investigation for nefariousness. Look, here's the thing. At Indiana University, you got to kind of bend over backwards to get caught doing crazy stuff. So just don't bend over backwards, right? It's not that hard. went through my entire time at Indiana. Had a great time. Every little 500. I mean a great time great time never got in trouble it's just that easy uh first little 500 with fans since 2019 so you got that going for you i could tell you stories about little 500s but i'm not sure about the uh you know the judicial system down there i don't have friends in the number i used to have at the monroe county kind of uh uh their judicial system and so i'm not sure whether i should share those stories um, anything that happens over the weekend? We'll go special live, talk about it. NBA playoffs have been awesome. Really, really fun to watch the Minnesota Timberwolves last night collapse utterly. Two different times, the Timberwolves had 25 point leads over Memphis. One time, they had a 26 point lead. Memphis outscored Minnesota 37 to 12 in the fourth quarter. Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns, come out, come out, wherever you are. Come on out. Carl Anthony, where'd Carl Anthony go? It's the fourth quarter. We need Carl Anthony. Nowhere to be found. What the hell's the matter with these people? Have a great weekend. Have a great tomorrow. Going to get a little bit chillier next week, but tomorrow's going to be like summer. I can't wait. Have a great time. And if you're an Indiana University student, hoist a glass for one of your own who passed this past year. We will do so uh, in absentia tomorrow, but the great Rick Raffanello. Nobody enjoyed. Living-